Welcome to Overcome Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Mist Vessor from Brazilian Top Team, brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that has a very interesting transition from yoga to Jiu-Jitsu, and she collects some injuries throughout this journey. And what is interesting about this interview is her level of maturity from the injury perspective, how to avoid and how to say no for some scenarios that we will expose more uh, to potential injuries. So very interesting interview. Stay right there. Be right back. Misty Vashor, welcome to Overcome Podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to record this episode, episode 13 with us. Thank you for having me. Lucky 13. Lucky 13, yeah. <laughs> Misty, um, one of the reasons I, why, I mean, there were many reasons to have you here, but uh, what really caught my attention and uh, I decided to, to make this invitation is because when we were discussing about injury and we were giving me some support on mine, which I truly appreciate, thank you very much for that, uh, you were um, telling me that you had a major uh, knee injury and was not even during jiu-jitsu, it was in your prior life as a yoga instructor, which Correct. was very interesting to me because you would think that yoga is pretty safe, you would never have something like that. So. Let's go through that day. What happened? Well, the injury didn't actually happen in yoga, but my yoga experience helped prevent it from being more serious than it already was. Mm. So how did it happen? I was rollerblading. <laughs> I uh, was actually getting ready to go to a seminar, and I thought I had time to go rollerblade around the lake and um, it had rained the night before and there was rocks and sticks across the path mm. and um, my skate hit the, the rocks and stopped rolling so I started to fall forward but I wasn't wearing my wrist guards so I didn't want to put my hand down because I was terrified I was going to break my wrist so I tried to like catch myself and my leg twisted and um, my knee twisted and hit the ground. So it was a twisting and an impact injury on my knee. So probably if you just had let it go and catch with your wrist, it would be better. Yeah, absolutely. If I, I probably would have just broke my wrist and it would have been less, less traumatic, less serious. But I didn't and want And, and how, how serious was? How serious was? I was like, really? Did you have to do surgery or anything? Well... I was able to avoid surgery, but I injured, um, so the, the final MRI was a um, minor tear to the ACL, an MCL tear, a patellar femoral tendon tear, the vastus medialis tear, and uh, bone bruising on the uh, femur and the tibia. And so how, was, how the, well, all those things were avoid. You didn't have to do surgery because you avoided uh, doing some sort of uh, alternative uh, recovery, or technically you supposed to have done the surgery. Honestly, I think if I had gone to a different doctor, they probably would have done surgery because there were so many things injured. 
but none of the tears were uh, complete tears. So it wasn't a complete ACL tear, it was a partial tear. Mm. The, um, the patellar femoral tendon, which is the, the tendon that keeps the uh, patella, you know, yep. where it goes, mm -hmm. that was only a partial tear. Um, the vastus medialis, which I don't know if you know, but um, a lot of people might know, it's, not, it's that little muscle that looks kind of like a teardrop right above the knee, kind of more towards the inside of the knee. Yes, yes. A partial tear to that muscle. And then the MCL is the, the ligament on the uh, inside of the knee. Um, usually on an MCL tear, when those rupture, they don't do surgery on those. So that alone wouldn't have caused this, uh, a surgery. But I think, I think my doctor was the big reason I didn't have surgery. He, he's an orthopedic surgeon, so of course they make money by doing surgery, but his, he wants to avoid it. He was, hey, Missy, you're young, you're uh, fit, you take care of yourself because you're so fit, um, it, your recovery's gonna be better, let's, um, let's try physical therapy first. So he didn't take the surgery off the table, mm -hmm until two months into my recovery. Now, did you have to put any casts uh, or something? No casts, um, but I was non-weight bearing because of the bone bruising on the femur. Mm -hmm. um, if you anybody's had a bone bruise, they know they're pretty painful. Um, but uh, if you haven't had one, it's almost as painful as a break, if not more painful. Uh, so I was on crutches uh, for Probably a month non-weight bearing. Yeah, not bad. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm on... not, not bad, not bad. Not yeah. bad, yeah. And uh, and then two months of physical therapy or more? Uh, I did four months of physical therapy, but it wasn't after uh, my first two months of therapy did did my surgeon, orthopedic doctor, um, finally take surgery off the table. Like when we first started rehab. I, I kept asking him, are we going to have to have surgery? Because I, if I was going to have surgery, I wanted to have it. I wanted to get it over with. I wanted right. to start the recovery process. I didn't right. want to wait two months and then be told I had to have surgery and then start the rehab process again. Right. Because it's, as you know, it's hard to sit around and not do anything. Yep. Yeah. I know that for sure. <laughs> so I, those first two months, not knowing if I was going to have to restart my uh, rehab because he wouldn't say no we're not going to do surgery or yes we are I, I had to wait and do my physical therapy and do my checkups um, and I'll tell you what I went to my physical therapy sessions any homework they gave me because as you know they give you homework yes, therapy. Right. I came home and I did my did my homework and because I just wanted to get back to doing my life and right. as a yoga instructor I couldn't work so you were out of work for two months? Four months. Four months, wow. Four months I was out of work. Um, the injury and, happened. And, and, and now let's, let's go through these four months. I mean, you, what was more difficult to you from the uh, psychological perspective? It was the, 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 the isolation, the not being able to hang out with your, the people that you are used to. How did you handle that? The, the initial probably first month was the worst um, because I couldn't drive. Yeah. Um, my husband would be at work and I would be home alone. And it, you know, 
very hard. Yeah. You know, very hard. So the the isolation was hard. The pain. Um, I did take pain medication that was prescribed, and um, I think I don't know if pain medication can affect you and you know kind of push you towards that like depression yeah or was the injury itself or the combination so you like were you right there in the edge of, ha of having those uh, deep thoughts feelings of depression i de it definitely got pretty dark sometimes like you know i would be sitting in the the recliner and it you know it's midnight and um, my husband's asleep i'm sitting in the chair i'm in pain and i'm like you know why what 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 right. what am i doing yeah. like this isn't this isn't living this isn't this is like why yeah um i feel like when i kind of weaned myself off the pain medication it got better so like i said i don't know if pain medication can contribute to that or but it you know I think it's a mix yeah. of things is is the medication is right in the beginning is always stuff of to me, it was always the, the, the post-surgery uh, post uh, weeks. It was really tough. Uh, the pain, the isolation. It, it was tough. It was really... Uh, mental health is a, is a big problem when it comes to recovery. And I, I read a lot about this. And it's very common, mainly for athletes that are so used to being active, uh, to suddenly stop everything. It's just not normal for you. Yeah. It's, not, it's just not normal for you to stop being active. Right. Yeah. So probably yeah. that's how you felt, mainly because you were teaching. So I'm not sure how uh, what was your schedule at that time, but you probably were teaching every day, right? Most every day. I had a pretty. Uh, I, I taught the early crew. I would get up and I would go teach a you know a, a 5:30 a.m. or a 6 a.m. Uh, class, and so they were my regulars, and you know they were all asking where I was at. You know, mm -hmm. one of my uh, co-teachers, she she did come over and check on me and gave me well wishes from, you know, from all of my students because she took over my classes. But, um, you know, not being able to see my regulars and like that social right. connection, you know, social's very important. And uh, so not having that social connection and also not getting to uh, even participate in yoga and, and fitness as well because I've that's been always been a big part of my life mm -hmm. and uh, were you passionate about yoga as you are today about jiu-jitsu or you say you are more today about jiu-jitsu probably more so today about jiu-jitsu but at the time yoga was definitely my passion it was um, uh, you know the big part of my life I, I practiced regularly I had my 500 hour certification I taught classes I managed the local yoga studio um, I helped uh, the same uh, studio develop some of their classes that they would teach and things so like it was, that. So it was not a hobby, it was really your career at that time? Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's pretty tough. I would say it's probably the same as today as Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu kind of kind of replaced it. It grew into uh, uh, my the uh, yoga space mm. because when I first started Jiu-Jitsu, I was still teaching yoga. Oh, so, so you, you, the transition was not cutting off yoga and, and going all the way to jiu-jitsu. You actually had, no. you were doing both. Did both for a long time. Did both for until, a long time. Until with belt. Uh, it was blue belt. Oh, okay. When, so. when Professor Machado and I 
decided to partner and open BTT North Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was going to be able to continue to teach yoga, and I did for the first two months of running this uh, BTT North Dallas and trying to teach. Um, and I ran myself down. I got sick like three times because I wasn't sleeping. Um, and I realized I couldn't burn the candle at both ends. So yeah. I resigned from teaching. Yeah, because now it's not only a, a matter of you training and competing in jiu-jitsu, but you are, are also a business owner. So there is a whole different level of responsibilities and everything that you have to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that uh, if that injury has had happened today uh, with your schedule, it would be worse today or in the past was actually worse? Uh, well, I'm going to say both. One, because in the past I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, I think I would deal with it differently today, but that's only because I experienced it in the past. Mm -hmm. But if it happened today, um, you know, I'm responsible for um, kids' classes. I'm responsible. Uh, there's so much more I'm responsible for um, having um, BTT North Dallas and BTT Irving because we um, I'm, have a lot more responsibilities. Yeah. Uh, not just teaching some classes where I have other yoga teachers that were able to pick up and those classes were able to get taken care of, um, but now it's there's not a lot of so it's not even about you as an athlete it's more about you as a instructor uh, today yeah. because yeah, I think because you be because you you out. think you will be fine uh taking off and not training for like four months like you did in yoga it would hurt my heart but <laughs> <laughs> but i know they what what would be more important is making sure that the the academy continued to run and the the kids got the attention that they needed and the support that they needed um that would that would be my priority no it makes sense it makes sense in in, in the past you really didn't have this but you brought out a good point that you learn with that experience and you probably will handle differently and um what did you learn throughout those four months that you you were were down? Uh, did you you think that today you are better because of that? I do, I do think uh, you know it's learn you learn how to handle the the challenges whether um, those setbacks are from injuries or other things like that. Um, you learn how to kind of roll with the punches, you know, the things, the, things happen and there are things that are beyond our control mm. that happen and to worry and stress and uh, let those things hang that we can't control, it becomes a waste of energy. Yeah. So you need to spend your energy on things that you can control. Okay, what can I control? Okay, I have homework from my physical therapist. I can sit down and I can spend the hour doing um, knee flexion exercises or whatever the exercise is that they've spent. Whether it's, hey, I'm to a point where I'm walking now. They need I'm supposed to walk a mile a day, and I would get up and I'd go walk my mile a day, mm -hmm. or put my energy into the things that I could control. That's excellent versus, advice. Yeah. Yeah. Versus putting my energy into 
the things that I can't control. I, I can't go back and, and not have the injury happen. But do, so, but do you also agree that it's hard to be that conscious when you are on that dark place because you there's so negativity and there's so much emotion and the why me, why this, why that, and sometimes it's hard to focus on doing the right thing. Well, absolutely. Absolutely, because when you, like, it's a slippery slope. You start down that slope, mm -hmm. it's easy to continue down yeah. that, that slope. And what was the moment that triggered you? Like, wait a minute, I need to, to move on. Did, did you have anything that uh, triggered you to change your mindset? Or it was just a process, a slow process that you started to realize that you have to focus on things that you can control? Um, it was a little bit of a slow process, but it was also there was kind of one, one thing that kind of triggered it. And you're going to laugh. <laughs> um, I was watching the History Channel. Um, and a show called Top Shot was on it. It was about these um, guys that participated in a contest to be like snipers. Like they would come up with these trick shots and different guns and, had, and you know. And I watched that like a couple episodes of that show and I started thinking to myself, you know, they're putting their energy into this and it's like, okay, our bodies are fragile, our lives are fragile. There are things that I want to do that I have not done. And I need to start doing those things. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I'm able, I want to do, and I created this little list, <laughs> um, and the list included learn martial art. Oh, wow. So yeah. it was on that day that you made this decision? Yeah. Watching that yeah. show, unbelievable, that's wow. So it was learn a martial art, learn a foreign language, learn to play an instrument, and uh, learn to be a sniper because I was watching that show. Wow. So those are those are on my list. And then I, from there, decided learning a martial art was going to be most taxing on my body compared to some of those other activities. I'm not getting any younger, <laughs> so I figured I'd start there. Um, and, and that's how you met Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's interesting that this type of show, which has really nothing to do, it, it triggers you to think that way, right? I'm not laughing because of the show. I'm just, I just find it interesting that some people get triggers for different things and start to rationalize on how they can keep moving on. Yeah, well, it it, it came to, you know, these people had the there they were really good at these things and it's like well how do they get good at that they put time in it and they have to you know again that energy that's where they're putting their energy and that's of course they're going to excel where they put their energy mm -hmm. so if i put my energy down this deep dark hole of course it's where i'm going to go yeah. i need to direct my energy somewhere else yeah that excellent point excellent point um when you came back after the four months it was right after that that you started jiu-jitsu it took some time for you to actually start training jiu-jitsu it was like a, a one year later or was, or was it in the same year uh it took some time i was very afraid of getting re-injured um when i came back mm. so i started with yoga yoga is safe it's gentle there's it's you know it's not necessarily partner work you know i can control my environment with with uh with yoga but I wanted to start learning a martial art. So I was looking for 
a place that did private lessons for martial arts. I didn't even know what kind of martial art I wanted to learn. I wasn't like, oh, I want to do right. jiu-jitsu or I want to do karate or taekwondo. I didn't know anything about martial arts. The only thing so, that you knew at that point is that you were afraid to expose yourself to some things because of your knee. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I found a guy here in McKinney that did private lessons and he um, taught like a mix of martial arts. Uh, Muay Thai and Taekwondo and Karate and he did a little bit of uh, groundwork too and I thought well it's private lessons so I, I don't have to risk a training partner injuring me it's a little more controlled environment so I set up some lessons um, with this guy and I figured it was a good place to start because I didn't know what style of martial art I wanted mm -hmm. so he kind of introduced me to some striking arts um, also some weapons, you know, uh, scrimmage sticks, bow staff, you know, um, and then we did some groundwork. And I fell in love with the groundwork. And every time I went to see him, I wanted to do that. And he was like, you know, you need to build your whole repertoire. And I was like, no, I want to do the groundwork. And um, he was, he, he really did spark my interest in martial arts and he introduced me to jujitsu and I eventually had to part ways with him because I wanted pure jujitsu. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. And again, that was like how many years after the injury? I started martial arts probably eight months after I got cleared to be active again. Okay, so, so now let's go back to your first year as white belt. Uh, mm -hmm. start rolling did you avoid any type of thing or by that time were you very confident with your knee and you did have any concern anymore every now and then I would find myself in a position that I would kind of I don't want to say panic but I would go into uh, protection mode even today and what's that even today Uh, every now and then, okay. every now and then, if I'm, uh, because I've kind of banged up that knee a couple times since then, and so there are certain certain positions with maybe larger individuals that I realize that my knee is kind of vulnerable. Hmm. Um, so I maybe give up a position um, because I don't want to re-injure. Um, but it happened more more at white belt and blue belt. I didn't necessarily understand. Um, I also didn't have enough technique to protect myself. Whereas now I have um, I have the ability to use my technique to um, protect yourself. not only be yeah. offensive but defensive. Right. Now you are uh, a brown belt, and um, and you I've seen you rolling with. Uh, way bigger guys than you um, yeah. and uh, so during those rows you you just let it go and you don't really work in a specific game because you know of the knee and you are concerned like you said going to a more defensive mode or you never really start with that mindset because uh, it, it may you know cause you problems to to really use your full potential I don't start with the mindset of, oh, I have to protect my knee. Mm -hmm. it, it only occasionally comes in where I realize that maybe, hey, if this big guy moves a certain way, I could, it could compromise my knee because they're big and I don't, I don't have the strength to control them. I only have technique, right? 
and if they don't know how to move a certain way. Um, so never do I go into a role with a mindset that I have to protect my knee. Um, that that's never the case. Um, I I go in I go into role. In in, um, in all those years, because uh, brown belt, how many years you do, we we've been doing jujitsu for five six? Seven years. Seven years. So you never re-injure your knee, or never even felt another pain on your knee. Uh, once at white belt, I did um, re-injure that same knee. It was at a competition, um, a nogi competition. I actually was registered for the wrong division. <laughs> I didn't realize it, so I was registered with all the blue belts. Wow. So I was way in over my head. Um, and the, the first round, um, she kind of got on my back and um, my legs stuck to the mat. And when she turned, it twisted my knee. Um, it kind of swelled up and I limped around for, for a little while. It recovered, but um, that was the only time I re-injured that that same knee but uh nothing major probably right no it wasn't anything major it was just like a little uh, you know twisted it a little bit and it was sore for you know two two three weeks swelled up a little bit mm -hmm. but uh, nothing that required medical attention yeah no that's great because seven years painless uh well pain, when i say painless at least it's on a knee i'm sure I'm, i know that everyone has soreness after a, a hard training and everything yeah. uh but i'm talking about uh, chronic pain you don't have that anymore right uh no no i mean occasionally i can go oh hey uh the weather's changing my knee's a little achy but <laughs> but uh, do you still do any type of yoga uh, even at home just to relax or to because you have good flexibility, so it's not that you need to, but sometimes you have that old uh, in yoga structure still on you and wants to do some training. I don't practice um, yoga like I should. I Now, um, I'll do certain stretches and things like that, but I don't set out to do an entire uh, yoga sequence or sun salutation in the traditional sense. Um, usually when I stretch, I'm very um, methodical about what stretches I do. And they, they pull all those stretches from yoga, um, but I pick ones that are going to be beneficial to, to, to my jiu-jitsu, to my body, you know. So I focus on a lot of uh, spinal mobility mm -hmm. um, with the stuff that I do and um, hip mobility. Uh, those are what I found to be the most beneficial to my jiu-jitsu is the spinal mobility and the hip mobility. What about strength workout? Uh, can you do it because of uh, your knee, like squat? Can you do can, can do all those movements without any problem? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I During quarantine, I uh, was lifting quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> It was good to lift again because once I start going back to jiu-jitsu on the regular, my, my lifting, um, I usually kind of step away from it and don't lift regularly. Um, but, yeah, I'm able to lift. I don't need a, a knee brace um, when I squat or lunge or anything like that. That's great. Uh, and so if you start a jiu-jitsu after eight months uh, from, the, from the end 
of the injury, which was uh, four months, so that's uh, probably one year. We are talking about eight years since that happened, right? Uh, so it's closer to nine and a half years um, because I didn't go straight to strict jujitsu probably for a year after um, okay. I was working with that uh, that other gentleman that was introducing me to all the other martial arts. So it was uh, probably another year before I went. I want to do strict jujitsu, and I uh, went to Brazilian Top Team. Uh, where a friend was training and um, so nine, so, yeah. nine years ago nine years ago nine years ago mm-hmm. yeah well the reason I asked this is because the healing process um, gets a little bit more complicated with, with age right and yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen that with me um, it's taking more time and, and that's why it's complicated when you are getting older if you get injury naturally it's going to just take more time to heal right mm-hmm. uh yeah. and then 10 years ago uh nine years ago your healing process was different uh from what it is today if you ever get injury Absolutely. i hope you never get injury again but just in just uh in a scenario that you compare but there is also the wisdom right as, as you said you you learn a lot from that experience yes yes and I, the good yeah. thing is that you're teaching so there is a lot of things that you can also transmit and and talk to your students today about that yeah you know we've had some some guys that train with us um one of the gentlemen he's he's had several knee surgeries he had a recent back surgery and he um he keeps coming in he and you know so he's He, he's been on some of those uh, those dark days and we talk and um, but he jiu-jitsu is his, his home his family and he he comes in and he he still trains with us but he's had several surgeries and and I can I can share experiences with them because I've been there too and, and uh, were those injuries that he had in jiu-jitsu or not related uh, his back surgery was not related he had had a previous spinal fusion and it, it was time for new hardware mm-hmm. so that's his most recent surgery um his knee surgeries i think uh he had other knee issues he and jujitsu flared it and then he had um several surgeries to get it where it needed to be um so what would be your advice with all those seven years in jujitsu to avoid injury Because it's pretty hard to train almost every day and stay 100% injury-free, mainly when you are going all the way in every single training. So what's the, what is the secret formula or what is the balance that we, are, we should be looking for? Is, you know, balance the, the partners, make sure that you select the right partners? What is the strategy that you use? Okay, well, so I'll say this much. Um, I know, like a lot of the girls that train with us they look they look to me um as their example and i think sometimes i'm not a good example because i will train when i'm a little banged up because i i need to because i'm you know like machado does too you know we we are the instructors and so we're not necessarily leading by the best example i think when um you need to listen to your body right Mm. um My minor injuries that I've had in jiu-jitsu tend to happen when I get extremely tired and I push through, right? Sometimes it's, okay, you're tired, you need to rest because 
I know other people say, okay, you're tired. That's the best time to train jujitsu because now you have to rely on your technique. And that there is probably truth to that. But when you're the smallest person on the mat and you get tired and now that opens you up to, to potential injury. So uh, listening to your body, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying don't push yourself because absolutely we have to push ourselves in jiu-jitsu, especially those that are choose to compete. You have to push yourself. You have to find your limits and know what your limits are. But for somebody that trains every day, sometimes twice a day, knowing that, okay, I've hit my limit. I need to rest. Recovery is super important because if you're not getting your recovery, you're more likely to get injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes so, sense. Makes sense. That recovery is is key. Sundays, I don't do jujitsu. I don't do anything. I don't lift. I don't. Sunday is recovery mode for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, because uh, what I notice is that a lot of uh, jujitsu uh, folk guys and girls sometimes that. Um, they tough up and every time that they say well i have a minor injury here just just tape just put tape and it'll be fine right that is uh yeah yeah there's uh, this myth that tapes resolves everything um uh, and um it is it is fun to watch it is uh cool to say but the question is is this really the way to go from the longevity perspective right and it's not. I mean, I want longevity in the sport, you know, and uh, probably is even as close as three years ago, I would have pushed through and, you know, like, oh, take those fingers up and roll. Um, I feel like even just recently I've gotten smarter about it and I've, I've, I've realized that I need to step back. And or, you know, maybe I might still train twice a day, but my second second round of training I might choose different partners and um, roll at a different intensity and I'm still getting work in, I'm still moving, but I'm not competition mode 100% of the time and I'm not going 100%, 100% of the time. Yeah, but what, Be- what, made you, yeah. what made you realize that something happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I broke my wrist. Oh, did you? I didn't yes, know I that. Did. Yes. Um, so I was helping teach kids class and we were doing double legs and I'm a small person. There was a, a larger teenage boy in class and he didn't have a partner. So I was his partner because we were about the same size. And uh, I got lazy with my break falls and I posted my hand. <clears throat> I felt like I just sprained my wrist. Life went on. The next week or so, I was taping my wrist. It was really sore. It hurt to turn doorknobs or like um, pump the soap to, you know, like, right, and, right. Uh, you know, simple things. I was like, man, I can't. Turning doorknobs was so painful and I just kept taping it. And then I was like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And I would roll and I would roll and people would grab my wrist and it would hurt so bad. And then I got to a point where oh my gosh, Pans is in two weeks. I can't go to the doctor now because he's going to tell me not to train and I have to go compete at Pans. Hmm. So I'm in the middle of a weight cut and so I'm not, my nutrition isn't probably the best because I was running out of time to cut 10 pounds. Um, My wrist is hurting. I'm still training. I go compete at Pans, barely make weight. 
the day after I get back from PANS, I go to my same orthopedic, the one that did my knee, and my wrist had been fractured. I trained six weeks on a fractured wrist before I went to the doctor. Oh, wow. So that's the part that we say you should have listened to your body, right? Yeah. And you, mm -hmm. and you didn't. And that's the, I did. And that's the, the, the stubborn thing that uh, many jiu-jitsu practitioners have, right? They, they know that if something is wrong, but they, they are in, in such a hype to train that they don't stop. And then yeah. sometimes when they go see it, they just aggravate that problem. Yeah, I kept, I just kept training so it wasn't healing, right? I mean, it, it was, um, you know, I competed terrible. And, of course, my, my nutrition was bad because I was weight cutting. Um, that was also slowing the healing process. Um, so, really, I had trained for six weeks in pain. And my training was terrible. I competed terrible at PANS. I, you know, and I get back and now I get to spend four weeks in a cast up over my elbow and then another three weeks in a, a short arm cast. So I ended up having so much more time of not training appropriately or not training at all because I didn't address it in the beginning. Well, wait a minute. Was this this year? No, this was... Um, at the end of my blue belt. Okay, okay. Because, the very end of my blue belt. Okay, because I, I was about to say, I don't remember seeing you in cast. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. This was at the very end of my blue belt. Okay, so so that's when you you, you learn that you need to listen to your body more and, and respect mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it was it was really a sign. You know, I kept thinking, oh, it's just a sprain, just a sprain. And when I go to the doctor, and he's like, no, you fractured the wrist and tore cartilage. Um had I waited much longer, my wrist would have needed surgery. So how long were you out of training after that? So when I was in the, the cast up over my elbow, um, I couldn't, I couldn't train mm -hmm. at all. Um, I would put my gi on for kids class and it barely fit over the cast. <laughs> and I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't hardly help the kids. I, I could really just make sure they're not hurting each other, but I couldn't demonstrate things. I couldn't help them. I was more of a little bit of a supervisor. Um, and that was, that was hard. It was hard on Machado. Yeah. You know, he didn't have the help he needed in class. Um, four weeks in that long arm cast. Um, I was there every day. And I think... Yeah, but you were not training. You were just helping out. No, not training at all. No, I, I put my gi on. I'd line up in class and then I'd sit on the edge of the mat and watch everybody else train. Do you think that that helps uh, to be on the sideline watching? Because uh, on, honestly, yeah, because honestly, a lot of people say, hey, come over to watch the training. I was like, you know, I don't feel like just watching. I would like to do it, you know, and, and it feels like it makes me even more sad if I just watch. Yeah, no, it's very much a double-edged sword. It keeps you connected, right? Mm -hmm. But you're watching it. All of your training partners, all of your friends get to do what you want to do, get to do, get to learn, get to progress, get to get ready for competitions, and you just watch. It's hard. Yeah. It, I think it, it, has, it has benefits, but I think it can be a little detrimental too. I agree. I agree. It's, That's why to, to me, I, I didn't do it yet. 
uh, and it has been three months now, and I haven't visited the gyms uh, to to watch, uh, just because I know how I'm gonna feel. Just, I, I know how I feel by just watching videos on the internet. If it, 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 it fires me up, and I'm like, oh, I can't do that, you know. So imagine being a place uh, physically. Um, but I, I've seen all the testimonies, other people saying that they, they, it was a way for them to cope. So I think every person reacts differently. Uh, that's how I, yeah. I reacted. So that's why I was wondering if for you, you felt any benefit or you did because you had to, since you, you are already partnering in, in the gym and you had to teach. Uh, so you had to be there no matter what. Uh, right. Yeah. So the question is, if you wouldn't, uh, if you wouldn't need to be there, would you go just to watch? Probably not. Probably not every day. I might have gone in just to kind of say hi, and but I don't know if I would have done it right at the beginning. Um, maybe closer to the end, and you know, check in with my friends. But I, I most certainly probably would have not gone every day yeah. and dressed for class and then just sat there. So now with your uh, all the experience. Uh, that happened to you as a as a blue belt. Now you are brown. Um, there were other situations that you you look and say, "Well, I better stop now because I'm feeling this." Right. So do you yeah. do, do you did you have any other situation that you like? No, now this time I'm gonna listen to my body. I'm gonna stop. I um, I get better. I'm better about you know um, telling people no when they ask me to roll, when I get tired. Mm. Um, I I normally don't sit out a roll, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm getting better at sitting out rolls. And then in the past when people, when I'd sit out a roll, people would ask me to roll. And it didn't matter who it was, I would always agree to roll. Um, everybody has a right to, to turn down a roll. Mm -hmm. uh, it, took me, it took me a long time to learn that. <laughs> and um, I don't want to... I don't want people to feel like I'm, you know, like, oh, I don't want to roll with you. That That's not necessarily the case. It's it's more, it's me. It's not them. It's like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> yeah, although, but, although I've, I've read many, many uh, black belts saying that with time, you should definitely choose your training partners uh, because some training partners, they don't have um, all the speed other than 100%. In some days, you are not... <laughs> you are not on that speed so you're probably going to get injury if if you both are not on the same speed right because while you're here working on a flow and trying to work some techniques there are guys is going after like he's competing for the words right yes exactly exactly um and also um as i've ranked up usually when um a white belt asks me to roll their intensity is going to be a lot more because they're you know I'm going against a brown belt or you know um, so I need to be ready for that intensity so if I'm not prepared to deal with that I need to to not so um, I've I've gotten better at, at turning down a roll and resting around or being choosy about my partners um, I do believe that I can you can roll with anybody at whatever their level and learn something from them and have a mutually beneficial role. But there are times where it's okay to decline a role because maybe I'm tired. And like I said, usually when I'm tired, that that's when I open up uh, a chance for, for injury. Yeah. 
that's right and do you think that the the now that you are brown you just kind of feel more entitled to say no because there is always this myth that a lower belt cannot say no to a higher belt inviting them to row right so if uh, <laughs> if i'm a blue and a, a purple calls me to row i cannot say no i'm i mean that's the the myth right uh right. yeah so, <laughs> oh black belt just asked me to roll i have to roll or yeah that kind of like they pull rank on you uh, you know, I don't think it has to do uh, necessarily with my belt. I think it's just what I've learned. And it's kind of crazy that it took seven years for me to learn it's okay to say no to a role. But it, it kind of did. <laughs> so so this didn't happen when you were purple? It just happened now as a brown? Uh, maybe towards the tail end of my purple belt, I got a little more choosy mm -hmm. and um, decided that, you know, I can... You know, it's okay to say no. Again, I train two times a day. I don't have to roll 100% every every roll. That's every a, that's class. unbelievable. Two, two times a day, every day. I mean, Monday to Friday. Uh, Thursday mornings. I take Thursday mornings off. <laughs> oh wow, that's insane. That's a lot. Uh, but at the same time, when I was on my peak before the injury, I was doing two workouts a day. Right, the workout plus the you know, the jujitsu at night. Right. So the only thing that you're doing differently is uh, is that you do uh, jujitsu twice a day, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And that's why my lifting suffers when I'm doing jujitsu all the time. My lifting suffers because I can't. That's just too much. <laughs> no. True. Yeah. What What about uh, nutrition? Do you, when you were recovering from the knee injury, did you have any special uh, diet that you did to not gain weight? Were you ever concerned about that? Right. Because you were fit, but at, you were not you were not active anymore. So the first thing that we think is, well, I have to lower my calorie intake because now I'm not expending that much. Yeah, I did have uh, significant weight gain in the the knee recovery. <laughs> uh, absolutely. What do, you, what do you mean significant? <laughs> well, let, let's put it in perspective. I'm five two. I walk around at like 122 pounds. Um, when when a five two frame is over 140 that looks uh, a little bit different <laughs> so yeah I think by the end of uh, the four months I was uh, I was over 140 what led you to to overeat it was almost like uh, because people sometimes when people get depressed they eat more right when they right. they don't they are not able to do what they like to do they eat more I, I interview people here that had this behavior and they were like, well, I was not working out, so I just, you know, were eating a lot to to make me happy, for example. Yeah, so for me, it was boredom. Mm. I'm at the house, there's nobody to talk to, there's nobody. Uh, so it became snacking out of boredom coupled with the inactivity. Yeah. So... Um, and at, yeah, at, that, at that time you didn't, because now I've seen your videos, you do have some decent equipments at home that you were working out during the, the quarantine. So yeah. during that time you didn't have that, right? Because you could do upper body at that time. Right. No, I did not have um, the, the home gym uh, set up that I have now. So um, I could have done upper body, but I I didn't. And Well, I didn't have the equipment and, and I was, you know, watching history channel <laughs> wow that's really intense because i was out 
without working out for probably a month and a half uh, mm -hmm. totally you know without doing anything uh, but as soon as the doctor told me that I could do upper body, I went straight to, to start doing upper body because I, it was a way for me to just feel alive again. Yeah, yeah. Well, like when the arm was broken, um, I I still worked out. I ran. Mm -hmm. So when I was trying to cast, I, I would run and um, I could, I was actually able to back squat. I could get under the bar because I had, you know, and I could, so I would... Um, I would squat probably doing leg press as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I had, I had, there was things that I could do when I, when my arm was broken. So I, in that particular instance, I did continue to work out. Yeah, you are today. You, you're just a, a better athlete than you were when you're doing yoga. Probably the mindset is so yes. different uh, that today you would never really take completely out. You work around the problem rather than what like you did when you were a yoga instructor. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Misty. So it was uh, it was really cool, really cool chat. Thank you very much for uh, all you. the insights. Uh, I think it's super helpful to put things in perspective. Perspective is so important. Uh, and I had the the proof of that this week uh, that I was able to grab some marbles with my foot, which I, I yeah. was not able to do it before. And I never thought I'd be so happy grabbing marbles. So it's very interesting how perspective is important. Right. Keep doing your homework they give you. It's yes. important. Yeah, the homework is actually twice a day that I, uh, he told me to do twice a day. So I, I do usually morning and, and afternoon. Uh, yeah. And it has definitely improved the range of motion of my ankle. is really getting better. Good, good, good. All right, my it friend. Is that, you know, it's pain and torture, also known as physical therapy. So. Oh, but... I, I don't have a problem with the pain as long as that pain is giving me results, progress, right? The problem right. is when it's just pain for the sake of, you know, post-surgery, that is just pain, uh, raw pain, right. right? But now it's a pain because it's extending, it's, it's extending the muscle, it's making sure that the, those things that were very stiff now are losing again. And so I am happy. If I have, if I need to feel a pain at that time, because I know that uh, right. that pain is is, yeah. is helping me to get better. It's progress. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Misty. Uh, Thank you. Um, I hope to see you soon at the gym. And uh, yes. thanks a lot for for your time on this uh, on this uh, cloudy and rainy day. Yes. Will you take care and um, keep working on your homework and doing your recovery so we can get you back soon? Absolutely, my friend. Yeah.